Hey, Infuse, how are you? Good. Let me hear that again. How you doing? Good. It's great to see you this morning. I do like your new setting. This is kind of nice. It's a nice little intimate setting here. I like it very much. Um, so for those of you that don't know who I am, let me do a quick introduction. Uh, my name is Mike. My wife Janice is back there. Say hi, Janice. Um, so um, we are from Fort Dodge. And let me just give you a, a little bit of background on us. We both came out of uh, the drug culture of the 70s. And we didn't just come out of that. I mean, we were fully immersed in that culture. And uh, in, the, in the late fall of 1979, we both at pretty much the same time had uh, an encounter with God that changed our lives. We were separated, probably should have been divorced after three years of marriage. This year, we'll celebrate 46 years of marriage. Um, and that's because we, we submitted our life. Thank you. That, you can do that if you want to. Uh, that's because we um, turned our lives over to God, and he began to work things out in our lives and change us. And so we understand the power of transformation. We understand what God can do in people uh, who submit to him and yield to him, and that's what we want for the people in our churches. That's what I want for you. And I love what you're saying today about, uh, about the church not being you know, just a building or a place. It's the people. In our church, we, we ha at the end of our services, we always say, um, uh, the church isn't over when the service ends. This is a church service, but you're the church. We get to go out and carry the, the message of the church everywhere we go. Um, so anyway, kind of digressed a little bit, but um, so we came to Christ 1979 and make a really long story short, felt called to ministry, um, got my master's degree in theology, got a PhD in local church or nonprofit administration. My wife and I started pastoring a church in Fort Dodge in 1985. We're still there. We committed to five years. We said, we're going to be here for five years. We won't leave within those first five years because that takes some time to build a foundation and get some things going. Um, so 37 years later, we're still there. Um, in 2017, we had kind of a major transformation. Our son, who was three and a half years old when we moved to Fort Dodge and had been serving as our associate pastor, he actually became the lead pastor and I became his associate. So we've done a little role reversal, which allows me to get out and do this kind of thing a little more often. Um, so yeah, so we've uh, been in the ministry now for a number of years and have some flexibility to get out and do some things. We started a ministry called GAP, my wife and I did, a few years back for our traveling ministry. We've done a lot of short-term mission work. And um, in 2018, we went to India. We noticed that the people in the villages in India were having a lot of stomach issues. And they were drinking water from rivers and creeks that animals were in, and it was just a bad situation. So we found out that we can drill wells in India for about 1,500 bucks a well. We're talking about a 300-foot deep bore well about 1500 bucks and amazing so to date we've drilled 21 wells in india and we're still drilling we have a mission to uh, drill as many wells as we can we've got a pastor there in the state of odisha that we work with um and uh, he's very accountable sends us the receipts and it's just a great it's just a great thing his vision is to help these villages and the great thing is uh, the villages that we drill the wells in there's already been a church established and often they're a very hindu city uh, but there will be a, a Christian church there, and so we drill the wells on the church property, and everybody gets to come to the church and get free water. Isn't that just, doesn't that just sound like Jesus, though? Come to Jesus and get free, fresh water. It's just it's the way it works. So it's having an impact in people's lives in that regard as well. Um, so anyway, that's a little bit about us. Uh, one thing I should probably tell you, when I, my I kind of came along a little late in my parents' life, and uh, I was originally diagnosed as a tumor, 
And uh, my mother used to love to tell that story as my little tumor. She, she always said, I'm so glad I got a second opinion. And I'm kind of like, yeah, me too. You know, it's a, it's a great thing. But when you start life out as a tumor, the bar's set pretty low. And whatever you accomplish is kind of a big deal. So anyway, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Um, it's always a pleasure to be here. I think we first came here probably 2018, but we first introduced to Taylor just before that. And uh, you guys have a great pastor, great pastor's wife, great staff here. I commend you for being able to come in and set this stuff up every week. God bless you. You're doing a great thing. It's making a difference for the kingdom. It's not just something you do. It's something that makes a difference. And we, we always appreciate the opportunity to be here. Thank you for letting us come. Uh, so today, it sounds like I'm kind of maybe kicking off this series on the, goal, the games people play, uh, the, the concepts of integrity and the importance of integrity in our lives. And so um, I thought we'd begin this by kind of giving you a little bit of a definition of integrity. By the way, did you see I got some stuff up here? You curious about that? Yeah, hang on to that, because uh, I'm not going to tell you what it's for yet. Um, so let's talk a little bit about integrity. The first thing I do when I do a series like this is I do a little research, a little investigation. And so I got some dictionary definitions of the word integrity. Anybody interested in seeing any of those? Okay, cool. I was going to show you anyway, but I always like to get a, some kind of a nod on that. So integrity, here's the first definition. The quality of being honest and having strong moral principles moral uprightness. Now, when you talk about this, this integrity, this is referring to hum, the human condition by itself. And so you look at this, the, the quality of being honest. Let's just start this out right here. The, the baseline for integrity is honesty. Um, being honest. Everybody knows what that is, right? But it also includes a willingness to be transparent, a willingness to be real. A person of integrity is a person who's real, a person who um, is willing to be transparent, maybe to acknowledge their own fragility or their own frailties, their own weaknesses. Uh, in integrity is not just being honest, but it's this idea of strong moral principles, moral uprightness, uh, the concept of being who we say we are. Um, not being one thing, one place, and something else, another place. And we'll talk about that a little bit more here as we go along. But having strong moral principles, strong sense of right and wrong, walking out those convictions. You know, when I first came to Christ um, out of that drug abuse culture, and, and I had a lot of other things going on in my life. I was probably about a three-pack-a-day cigarette smoker. All that stuff just went at once when Christ came into my life. But I would see people doing, not necessarily the drugs, but smoking and maybe the language and some of the other things. I'd see people in the church that, was, that were still doing those things. And I kind of, in my heart, wanted to judge them in my mind, in my heart. I was kind of like, well, you know, they shouldn't be doing that because God had convicted me not to do it. But it, the Lord began to really deal with me about that, that just because he convicted me of a certain thing doesn't mean that he's convicting someone else of that thing. And that we all have to walk out our own salvation. We all have to walk out our own, our own lives with Christ, right? And so my personal convictions are my personal convictions, and that's what I need to live out. Not necessarily expect everybody else to live that out. Now, the Bible does teach us certain things that we should all certainly embrace and live through, but that's a process, isn't it? We walk through that a little bit at a time. And you know what? After 43 years of knowing Christ and him being in my life and working in me and me pastoring for 37 years, he's still working on stuff in me. I'll just be honest with you, I'm not quite perfect yet. And I have a feeling, I just have this, this sneaky sense that as long as I'm in this body, I'm probably going to have things to work on. This is humanity, right? 
And um, so this idea of having those strong personal convictions, if you have a strong personal conviction, you're talking about honesty, of not lying, then walk that out and don't lie. I told somebody, I was working with someone who was having kind of issues with lying, and I said, here's the best way to get cured from lying. And the next time you find yourself lying, stop right in the middle of the lie, look at the person you're talking to and say, I'm lying to you right now. I guarantee you, you do that a few times, you'll be embarrassed enough to stop lying because that's just not a, that's just not a fun thing to do. So let's look at another definition. Integrity is also an unimpaired condition. Now, that would be um, if you refer to something having structural integrity. If you go to look at a house, and you're looking to buy a house, and you go look at this particular house, and you go in the basement, and there's a piece of the basement wall missing, and there's dirt from around the house flooding into the basement. There's a, there's a problem with the structural integrity of that building. There's something missing. There's a problem there that's going to cause you problems down the road. Um, there can be structural integrity in, in buildings because of a number of things, like sometimes storms and wind can create structural integrity. Buildings have to be condemned because they've been somewhat damaged by wind or by a storm or by fire. Those things can damage a building to where it can't be used any longer. Um, the duration of 2020, well, that was quite a year, wasn't it? Uh, the duration of 2020, you know, rendered a lot of buildings in that part of Iowa, especially where it was the worst hit, um, rendered a lot of buildings unusable. Or the structural integrity had broken down. And you know, when you think about it, storms come into our lives too, don't they? And if we're not careful, it can create this kind of structural in, in, integrity uh, issues where we have an un, uh, an un um, an impaired condition, take the word un out of there, an impaired condition where suddenly there's something that's not quite as strong foundationally in our lives as there had been. Our lives need structural integrity. We need the foundation of our lives to be firm. In fact, Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 7. Check this out. He says this, everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So we have two very different end results in this story. Uh, but I want you to notice something, that they begin exactly the same. They both, bo in both of these situations, the person hears the words of Jesus. But one hears the words of Jesus and does them, or applies them to their life, makes them the foundation of their life. And the other one hears them and doesn't apply them, doesn't make them the foundation of their life. And it's interesting when you look at this, that the rains fell in both cases, the floods came in both cases, the winds blew in both cases, and the house was beaten by the elements of life in both cases. You know what that tells me? That tells me we're all going to go through stuff in life, aren't we? We're all going to go through challenges. There's going to be days of storms and floods and winds and, and challenges. We all have them and we all we will. There will always be those things that will come against us. But if we've built the foundation of our lives, this says... On the words of Jesus, if we've taken what he said, take them seriously, apply them to our lives and make them the foundation of our life, then when those things come, we continue to stand. 
But he says if we don't do that, if we just build our lives on what we think is best and don't use the words of Jesus as our foundation, it's like building on sand. Could you imagine uh, when we were talking about, you know, where do you want to go on vacation? Why? My wife and I just got back from Florida. I want to go back. Why? Beach. In a word, I like the beach. But you know what? You wouldn't want to go build a house on the beach without putting down a foundation. You can't build on the sand. Why not? Because eventually that sand's going to wash out from under, and what's going to happen to the building? It's going to go down, right? And that's what Jesus is talking about here. We can't build our lives on our own ideas, our own concepts, because those are shifting sands. But if we build on his word, when these things come against us, we will have structural integrity. We'll have this idea, this concept of integrity. Let me get to my third definition of integrity. The quality or state of being complete or undivided. Complete or undivided. Um, this might refer to something like the, a general way to think of it would be like the integrity of a business. If you have a, a business and everybody in that business is focused on the same goal, or let's say a church and everybody in the church is focused on the mission, we want, people, we want people's lives to be changed. We want people to be transformed. Um, I can't remember exactly your, your tagline. Somebody tell me, what's your mission here? What's the line you use? Um, a community. Beautiful. Right. A church of imperfect people where they can find, I'm just paraphrasing, where they can find faith in community. And that's what we want, right? Because that makes a difference in people's lives. So that idea of everybody being on the same page with that, being focused on that, um, and, and staying focused, staying connected to those kinds of things in our lives. Maybe making sure in our own individual lives that we're staying focused on what's the mission of my life? Um, what do I need to do with my life? Uh, what, what, I'm, I'm not just taking up space and time. What's God called me to do? What's he called me to be? Who has he called me to be? Focused on that and moving forward on that, that's that, that quality or the state of being complete or undivided. Um, you know, sometimes I think in life, younger people do this, but I think sometimes us older folks will do this as well. Sometimes we, we kind of want to just fit in with wherever we are or match whatever kind of a situation we're in. Maybe we're different at work than we are when we're at church or with our family or whatever. Um, that's not integrity. That's, that's a lack of integrity. I wanted to kind of talk about that because sometimes we just want to fit in, don't we? Do you ever feel like you just kind of want to fit in to your surroundings, but there's a challenge with that. I want, to, I want you to look at some verses with me in Romans chapter 12, and uh, we'll break this down real quick here. Here's what it says, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 from the Message Bible. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. Let's pause there for just a moment. How, does anybody here have an eating, sleeping, going to work, and walking around life? Anybody? Anybody eaten any time in the last 24 hours? Slept a little bit? Walked around? Um, maybe you didn't go to work, but we, we, we just live, right? That's what this is talking about. Just take the life that you live every day, God helping you, and place it before God as an offering. So he's saying just take the life that you have, everything that you do, every place you go, and place that before God as an offering. And then it says this, it goes on from there, it says, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. 
Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. This is a great passage because it talks about what God really wants to do in our lives, with our lives, when we surrender to him our everyday, ordinary, eating, sleeping, walking around, going to work, life, our gifts, our abilities, our weaknesses, our strengths, our life, and we lay that before God as an offering. You know, really, our lives consist of time. That's what life is. It's time. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count to three, and I want everybody to yell out to me your birth date, the day, the month, the day, and the year that you were born. One, two, three. Didn't hear any of them, but that was a day. That was a day, right? That was a moment in time. How many of you know the time of day you were born? I have no idea. I, I was there, but I don't remember. Um, so that, that, was a, that was a moment in time, right? And we know that there will be a, a time sometime in the future where our life will come to an end. Life is measured really by time. The past is just a bunch of time and what you chose to do with it. And the future is a bunch of time that hasn't happened yet and what you will choose to do with that. And the most important time is this moment right now because this is where we live. This is the moment that we have. And when we talk about this idea of taking our lives and pre presenting it before God, give him our time, give him your past, just the, the hurts, the challenges, the things that you did, the things that were done to you from your past, give that to God, lay that as an offering before God, let him have that part of your life, let him heal if there are things that need to be healed there, give him your future, give him your present, give him everything that we have. Living for God doesn't necessarily mean constantly having some deep spiritual pursuit, yes, we, we should be in pursuit of God, but really living for him just simply means laying our life before him, laying our time before him, and letting him do with our lives whatever he wants to do. Another translation says that this is our spiritual worship. This is how we worship God. Not, it's great to come together on Sunday. I love singing. I love doing worship. I love being together with God's people, with the saints of God. I like to call you saints um, because we get, to, we get to hang out together. We get to have this great time together. But, you know, really our spiritual worship isn't just what we do here. It's every day choosing to lay our lives before him, uh, you know, and, and laying our lives down when we're running errands and that person pulls out in front of us. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I wish everybody would drive like I do because uh, the world would be such a better place. Right, hon? No. Um, <laughs> you know, I made the same as my wife one time. I said, you know, I do some of my best praying when I'm driving. And she said, I do some of my best praying when you're driving also. <laughs> I'm not really sure what she meant by that. But anyway, when we interact with our, our family, our friends, that's us worshiping, being the people of God, being people of integrity. Our entire lives become an expression of worship. I like the line in that passage. We don't need to go back to it, but there's a line in that passage that said, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. You know what God wants you to do? He wants you to embrace what he's done for you. He's forgiven you. He's given you the access to peace. He's given you access to hope. He wants you to embrace those things and understand that every part of our lives are set before him. I want you to think about that for a moment. What's God done for you? Maybe recently or, you know, I shared a little bit about what God did for us back in 1979. That was a long time ago. I was a younger person back then. When you think about what has God done for you, what, what, has, he, what has he done? If you think a moment, think about that for a moment 
And, and then just embrace that. Say, God, thank you for doing that. And embrace that this is evidence. This is proof that God loves me. This is proof that God wants to work in my life. Next part of that verse says this. Don't, and this is one of my favorite parts of it. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. See, all of this is about integrity. It's about how we worship God. It's about how we live our lives. And this part of it, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. I think this happens sometimes, um, that we just kind of get caught up in the flow of this world, the flow of opinion or whatever, or even sometimes within, within not, not necessarily local church culture, but the things that are said um, nationally, internationally about things in Christianity or whatever, sometimes we can just get caught up on things where we need to come back to the basics and not try to fit into everything that's going on around us. And that's why I brought these. Now I'm going to get to my, my stuff here. Does anybody like illustrations, like physical illustrations? Cool. I was going to do it again. I was going to do it anyway, but I'm glad you, I'm glad you like it. So I've got a container here, and I've got a sponge, which is larger. The sponges, right? Um, how many of you think that this sponge can, we're going to talk about fitting in. How many of you think this sponge can fit in to this container? It's a lot smaller, but you think it can fit in? Let's see if it'll do it. Let's see what will happen here. It's a good thing that the sponges are flexible. So I get that sponge in there. That sponge just fit in. But there's a problem. First, I noticed something that the shape of the sponge is changed, at least temporarily while it's in here. The shape of it before was like, a, I don't know, an eight, maybe an hourglass or whatever. Um, but now it's just a rectangle, right? So the shape of this sponge changed, and um, it lost its uniqueness. It lost its unique design. You know, uh, if you look at the, the world population clock, there's almost 8 billion of us on the planet right now. It's a big number. But you know what? There's not another person. Look at your fingerprint. There's not another person on the planet who has your fingerprint. Is that incredible? No one ever has had your fingerprint. No one ever will. That's, it's like your unique design mark. No one else has your retina, your eye. Uh, the scripture says that the eye is the gateway to the soul. Your soul has never lived in this earth before. That soul, that eye has never existed before. That's why they can do retina scans. That's why they can do fingerprinting because it's unique to you. What does that mean? It just means that you're a unique individual. You don't have to fit in to anything because God didn't make you to fit in. He made you to stand out. <clears throat> Something else <clears throat> excuse me, happened to this. Not only did its shape change, but it had to reduce itself quite a bit to fit in here. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? We have to reduce our mission. We have to reduce our purpose. We have to reduce our thinking of who we are to fit into the culture around us. And believe me, the culture around us is trying to squeeze us into that mold. There's another translation of this passage that says, don't be conformed to this world. That's the idea of conform, to squeeze something into a mold. So I've squeezed this thing into a mold, but it lost its shape. Um, it's smaller than it, than it should be. But here's something else about it. It's really kind of lost its function. Um, I'm not going to do this, but if I were to take this water and pour it on the table right here, could I sop it up with this sponge right now? Sure couldn't. What if I took it out, then could I do it? Right, so while it's in here, it's not functioning the way it's supposed to. It's lost its purpose. Anybody hear what I'm saying? When we try to fit into the culture around us, it causes us to lose our purpose. It causes us to lose 
our sense of mission in life, the uniqueness about who we are. And then finally, it kind of loses its identity. It's hard to tell right now what that is. That could be, I mean, from that angle, it could be like lemon sherbet or something, you know what I mean? It's hard to tell what this is in here. It loses its identity. So what we really want to do is we want to release this from here, don't we? Because we don't want to fit in. And here's the great thing about it. As soon as it snaps back out, it becomes what it was supposed to be all along, and it can function again. So this idea of not fitting in is followed up by the concept of fix your attention on God. If, we are, if we're always looking at the culture around us, it will drag us down. It will try to force us to fit in. But focus on God. Focus on who God is in your life, and you'll be changed from the inside out. Recognize what he wants from you. Respond to it quickly. Don't get caught up in the culture. That's what this verse is telling us. And this is really all about this idea of integrity, being a person of integrity. So I wanted to just go through some verses in the Proverbs real quick and look at what integrity does for us. When we, when we live our lives in this way, we, we looked at the honesty, we looked at structural integrity, building our lives on Christ, looked at this idea of not fitting in, responding to what God's done for us, looking at what he wants to continue to do in our lives. So what's the benefit? What's the purpose of this, and let's just look at some verses real quickly. Proverbs 10:9 says this: "People with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will be exposed." So integrity allows us to have safety, uh, to be secure in our lives with God. Um, it seems that God protects us when we focus on a life of integrity. Um, look at Proverbs 11:3: "The integrity of the honest keeps them on track." It's pretty easy to get sidetracked in this world, isn't it? I don't know about you, but if you ever listen to the news, there's not much good on there. Um, and it, you can get really sidetracked on, man, the whole world. And I've, I've known people that when you, you, know, you started the conversation with the whole world is just bad and it's getting worse. And, you know, it's just all bad. Well, here's what I know. I know that God is still in control. And I don't care how bad things get. It's just an opportunity for God to be better. Um, light shines brightest in darkness, right? And we get this wonderful opportunity to be light in the midst of darkness. So let's not look at how bad things are. Let's look at how great God is. Because God's greatness can change all this bad stuff around us. But it's easy to get off track. We have so much digital stimulation. We have so much chatter in our world. There's so many things that want our attention, that want to influence us, that we have to be very careful about what we're focused on and what we're listening to. It's easy to forget about what's really valuable, what's really important relationships and influence, character, integrity. These are important issues in our lives. Proverbs 12.22 says this, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. And again, that idea of faithfully to walk in integrity. Look at Proverbs 20, verse 7. The righteous walk in integrity. Happy are the children who follow them. I love this one. You know why? Because it's generational. When we walk in integrity, when we build that foundation for our lives, when we walk out a life focused on God, it becomes a generational thing. My, my wife and I have raised two sons. Uh, they're both, we, we, we did not call them into full-time ministry. In fact, I told both of them, run from it. If there's anything else you want to do with your life, go do it. Don't, don't fall into ministry just because mom and dad did it, you know. You've got to have a call for yourself. And our youngest son is a full-time worship leader in the Des Moines area. And as I told you earlier, our, our oldest son is the, the lead pastor at the church where we now serve. 
And, and I'm not saying that I had anything to do with that. My wife had more, way more to do with it than I did. Uh, but I believe that God uses the integrity of our lives to bless successive generations. Now we have five grandchildren. I actually have a 13, we have a 13-year-old grandchild. I know I don't look old enough to have a 13-year-old grandchild. <laughs> It makes me feel old to have a 13-year-old grandchild, but we're, we're celebrating, we're enjoying watching the third generation of our children being raised in Christian principles and being taught these things. The biggest threat to our integrity is pride. The Jewish sages used to teach that there were three things that would keep people from becoming the very best that they could. And the three things are right here, pride, lust, and greed. That these three things would keep people from growing and developing into the people that could be. Every one of these represent a lack of integrity. A lack of what God really wants be in our lives. I have one final verse here that I'd like to share with you in the God's Word translation. And I want to read it in another translation as well. But look at this with me. Uh, one of my favorite passages, Micah 6, 8. And it comes up a lot when I, when I think of integrity, when I think of of humility. This comes up a lot. You mortals, got any mortals here? Any humans? A few of you? I'd like, I want to talk to the rest of you. I want to know where you're from. You mortals, the Lord has told you what is good. This is what the Lord requires from you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to live humbly with your God. I think this is integrity defined. Do what's right. You know, there's something inside of us called a conscience, but even more than that, there's a Holy Spirit living in us that tells us right and wrong. I love the verse that says, there'll be this voice speaking to you, this is the way. When you try to turn to the right or the left, there's this voice, this still small voice, the voice of God's Spirit saying, this is the thing to do. And we know that we know the thing to do. I spent a lot of time um, at, a, at a drug rehab program. I do a weekly uh, group at a drug rehab program. And I talk about, you know, we, we've probably all heard ourselves think this at one point. Um, I know I probably shouldn't do this. And what's the next word? But, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. You know, we, we make an excuse for doing what we know we probably shouldn't do. So just do the right thing. It causes a lot less trouble in our lives. Love mercy. Love receiving God's mercy, but also love giving mercy. I don't know about you, but I need mercy. If I need mercy, then I want to give mercy. Um, love mercy, and then the, that third point, live humbly with your God. Here, here it is in the, um, the other translation I said I wanted to share with you. Did I give you another translation or not? This one right here. Yeah, I didn't write it down. I'm going to look, look at it right here. So do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. And don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. Um, you know, I know God has a sense of humor. I see it every time I look in the mirror. I'm like, God, you have got a sense of humor. Um, there's there's a, a need for us to not take ourselves so seriously, but to take God seriously. Yes, what we do matters in our lives before him count. But we need to learn that there's three things in this that, that I want to look at. There is a there's a do element in this. Do what is just and right and fair. There's a love element, love mercy, and there's a humility element in this. Don't take yourself so seriously. Take God seriously. That's integrity. That's the, that's, that's the idea of walking in this integrity that God's offered for us. I'd like to have you pray with me, if you would, please. 
Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be together today. We thank you that we have had uh, the privilege of being with you today. We thank you that we've had the privilege of being able to be in your presence and to know you today, to trust you with everything that we have. We thank you that you've burned this heart of integrity into us. By your Holy Spirit, you've given us this opportunity. And I pray for everyone gathered in this room and everyone watching online, that we would take something from your word in our lives and continue to build a life of integrity before you. We thank you for the privilege that you've given us to be your people and to live this life. Let us do it as you've called us to with purpose and mission and integrity. Let us never choose to fit in but to stick out everywhere we can. In Jesus' name, amen.